in by Kulisevsky. Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name's Windy, and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Hello, Windy. And our tactics guy and TIFO's producer, Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. <laughs> That's me. Moonlighting. Yeah, yeah. And I'm only allowed to say very good and nice things about The Athletic for the duration of the competition. So. That's no fun. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Nathan. You've sold out. Yeah, that's me. Unbelievable. I'm, do- I'm doing a favour for a mate as well. <laughs> really doing. It, it, you're, you're allowed to do favours for mates. That's fine. <laughs> Good money. Uh, you're doing a fan- fantastic job. Uh, I hope they're paying you well for your services. Um, I want to start by reading this message from Joe Roberson, one of our ex-subs. I really liked this message. So Joe says, I wanted to shout out to my daughter, Ida, who is 15, she and I watch Spurs online every week. We'd been looking forward to watching Wales and England in the World Cup. Even though we felt unhappy about the difficult issues surrounding it, hosting in Qatar, we were up for continuing our tradition of sharing Euros and World Cups together. We'd even prepared a new game of, of World Cup bingo for this one. Last Monday, we watched Wales' opening game against the USA together. We knew that Bale wouldn't be wearing the One Love armband because of FIFA's threat of player sanctions, i.e. yellow cards, etc., after the game, Ida, and remember that Ida's 15, turned to me and said she didn't want to watch any more of the World Cup. Essentially, she felt let down by FIFA's action on the armbands and that it felt right for her to boycott the rest of the matches. I told her I supported her and felt proud of her for making her stand by what she believes in. And the next morning, I decided to do the same in solidarity with her and everyone who feels let down by FIFA. I feel proud and inspired by my daughter and her values and, and her will. It's a big deal for us to miss the World Cup, but every day since then it has felt like totally the right thing for me to do. So yes, absolutely. Shout out to Ida, uh, who at 15 has shown more moral integrity than than FIFA. And um, and well done to Joe for standing by your daughter. That said, we are going to talk about the World Cup, I'm afraid. Um, uh, I mean, I, I kind of feel like we have to, to some degree, but uh, there's not a great deal that we want to talk about around this England-USA match because it was so drab, so dull. Um, where do you want to start, Bardi? Did you did you watch the game? Yeah, of course. I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna miss England's um, big performance on the big stage. It was no. awful, so awful. It was. I mean, it's one of the worst Friday nights I've had in my life. It was that bad. I was really looking forward to it. I was supporting my American brothers. I was hoping. Actually, I got more out of America than I did than I thought I would. They were actually better than I than I thought. I thought they were going to be terrible, but England were awful, man. It was really, it was a really bad game. And the funny thing is, you know, Gary Neville went after Argentina the following night. I thought Argentina was all right, and then he also went after Germany a little bit. Someone went after Germany. I think it was the BBC. And both of those teams showed more kind of attacking intent and attacking inspiration than England managed in ninety minutes. It was it was a bad game and. I think ultimately that's going to come back and hurt the USA. They should have won that match. Um, instead, of, I think they're going to go out this week. Mm. Uh, Nathan, pretty much a stalemate. Is that fair to say? 
Sure, <laughs> sure. Don't ask me too many questions about this game. Like most of the World Cup, I'm not boycotting it. It is on on my television, but I'm also not really watching it, you know? So I, I in a way, I could get away with boycotting it. I wouldn't be missing anything except that my fiance is interested in watching it a little bit. But I'm, I'm so disinterested in this World Cup, and yet I'm not turning it off, you know? It, it was a, it was the one of the games I paid the least attention to so far. Mm. I mean, I do think there has been some interesting things in this World Cup. I've I've enjoyed the bits I've seen. I've enjoyed like the the Ghana games. Uh, like today has been a spectacular game of, of football. It was two brilliant games. Um, it just feels a lot like the older players are letting everybody down. Bales, Kane, Neymar, thankfully is injured. Ronaldo, they've just not turned up. Messi scored a beautiful goal, but then other than that, he hasn't really done much else. It does feel like a real kind of watershed moment where this is this is the final bit for a lot of these players, and they'll retire, and then the new lot will come in, which I think would be just good for football in general. It's been a bit tiresome the whole Ronaldo Messi argument for the last five years when they're both nowhere near what they were back in the day. Yeah, I definitely think um, most coaches have lent towards an older squads, and it's not it's not mm. worked well for them. Yeah. I mean, you could even point the same towards England as well. Harry Kane is not looking great, but there's the refusal to kind of move out these these stalwarts, these stalwarts and and these legends. And I think with Wales especially, how do you move on from Bale and and Ramsey? It's really difficult. But at some point, someone has to make a brave decision, and the players there are they're just not willing to step off the stage. So I think some man, a manager needs to be brave at some point. Kane has specifically requested to not be rested for the third group game, um, which. Which is not a surprise at all to any Spurs fans at this stage, right? I mean, I think I don't think it's ever come out. I don't know if it's ever been like formally reported. Um, Kane refuses to be rested, but it's been extremely obvious for the, those of us who are watching, following the team every week, right? Um, <laughs> someone, someone take over for me. Where do we go with this? I mean, I I think I think Kane's getting a bit of stick, a bit too much stick. I don't think England's problems are Harry Kane related. I think there's there's so much more happening around him which isn't functioning. But it's not helped by the fact that he's he's just not moving properly. But I do think England's problems are bigger than Kane. Um, saying that, I if I was Southgate, I probably would keep keep starting him. But I would I would do things differently elsewhere. So I I thought Kane had a really good game against Iran. Um, and I yeah. thought he was, he just didn't get found against the USA. They had a good job of, of sort of screening the passes to him. And my biggest issue was with Mason Mount, who I, I really like Mount and he has an incredible work rate, but he was just not having a good game. And I thought the same with Saka. I think Saka's a wonderful player. He was not having a good game. And um, Southgate instead took off, was it, uh, he took off Sterling and... Bellingham. Bellingham. Bellingham, yeah. I, I'm thinking... What, why are you taking off Sterling and Bellingham rather than Mount and Saka, who, in my opinion, were the obvious two to withdraw? And to, like my first sub would have been Foden. He didn't even bring Foden on. Um, so my issue was more with Southgate's refusal to try something new. It was kind of, you know, pretty much did more of the same when things weren't going well. And, and so the same patterns continued. Uh, Kane did have a headed chance, which he absolutely fluffed. But other than that, he had very little service in that game. And uh, I would say I would credit the US 
as much as mm. I would sort of criticise England for that because they did a, they did a really good job of um, of screening those passes. Yeah, that, but that said, Zimmerman is a terrible defender. <laughs> yeah, he's he's bad on the ball. He's bad off the ball. He's like Eric Dyer's worst brother. Um, <laughs> I do th- what I was going to say. Um, did you read about Southgate that he doesn't watch TV? He doesn't listen to anything. He just goes back to his hotel room and then just doesn't have anything on because he doesn't <laughs> want his thoughts to be diluted or messed with by people's opinions. Which Fair. perhaps perhaps he should put on TalkSport at least or something <laughs> like that. I think he might get some ideas from TalkSport. <laughs> Um, Buddy, we haven't yet spoken about, or certainly not in detail, about the mm. stoppage time situation. How are you feeling about this? So we're, we're seeing some sort of radical added time at the end of both first halves and second halves. Uh, do you think that's a, a good move? See, I, this is a solution to, to a problem. I don't think it's the correct solution, but I think it's almost like an awareness piece that doesn't matter if you're going to keep wasting time, if you're going to keep making these substitutions with the sole purpose of running down the clock, time is going to get added on. So I think this whole this whole World Cup is like, this is the problem. This is what you're doing and this is what we're going to do to fix it. So what I'm hoping from this is that teams decide or they realise that there's no point wasting time anymore because it's just going to come back on them when they're even more tired. I don't think it's long term. It's the correct thing to do, but I I've, I've enjoyed it. And I think when you see, in, for example, in the South Korea-Ghana game today, Ghana were clearly wasting time the last 15 minutes. The referee decided to add on 10 minutes. And that, and that was the right thing to do in that, in that, in that moment for me. Yeah. Um, obviously, um, when your team are behind and the opposition are wasting time, it's frustrating. So I'm not asking this position from like a total naivety, but... Do you think you can vocalise why time-wasting is bad? Well, it's uh, it's against the rules of the game. It slows down the game. It's um, I don't think it's with, and I don't think it's in the rules of football. But I think it's one of those it's one of those things that's happens a lot and it's frustrating. And referees seem to have very little control over it. They're unable it, to speed. It, it up. is in the rule. It is in the rules. That's that's why you can book book goalkeepers of taking too long over True. kicks and things. Fair enough, but that never happens. It mm. happens very rarely. Always in the 80th minute. I've sat through many games at Spurs where Ben Foster's just done whatever he wanted to do from minute one as well. <laughs> from minute one, and then at the end of the game, you have three minutes. Despite the fact that there's six substitutions have happened, and he's wasted ten minutes overall. And and it's never a second yellow. They get one yellow, and that yeah. does that mm. doesn't really affect their game because keepers very rarely ever get carded. Um, so it's a complete non thing. It's a total uh, sort of gesture, I guess. Yes. Um, yeah, I think so. We've spoken a lot on this podcast about like the enormous amount of football that that um, top level players are playing. Uh, we've just spoken about Kane not wanting to be rested, um, but he's playing like fifty plus games a season, um, up to sixty with England. Right? Um, it's uh, it's causing a lot of injuries. It's taking a toll not only on the players' health, but also as a byproduct of that. Um, the product itself is lesser because the the players are more fatigued. Um, I also think it's fair to say that time wasting negatively affects the, the product as well. Like it is especially difficult for me personally <laughs> to keep my attention when the, they just keep cutting away to other things because someone's wasting time. Um, 
so I think that this is coming at a cost. I think if you in so the average game of like Premier League football, the ball is in play for about sixty minutes, right? They're wasting half an hour of time again, five minutes back of added time, right? It's a farce, as you're right to point out. And so this World Cup, the the referees have decided they wanted to trial, or people above the referees, they wanted to trial something closer towards ninety minutes ball in time. Um, that's a lot of football <laughs> on top of a lot of football, right? So I think that this current way of doing things, there is there is a significant um, additional cost on 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 the players on fatigue, um, and I think that what you're getting in return is. Um, for the most part, time wasting is utilized by um, the team who has sort of snuck into a winning position um, against the odds, right? So it's all about Ben Foster, right? So when West Brom get a, an early goal, they're wasting a lot of time, things like that. And so the main thing that the uh, reduction or elimination of time wasting helps is is enforcing sort of the dominance of dominant teams so you're adding fatigue and in return you're uh decreasing the likelihood of upsets and that is definitely not a worthwhile trade as far as i'm concerned but i think there can definitely be um a conversation about like 60 minute football 60 minutes ball in play stop clock type stuff um, obviously stop clock stuff then maybe we get towards worries about adverts in the middle of games and things like that um, which I hate the idea of obviously but I'm definitely worried about this current trade-off I don't think this current trade-off is, is, a, is a good one I'm I'm not too bothered about it. I mean, if if there's time wasting going on, the players are getting a rest in the game anyway. There's 30 minutes; they're not even running for a full 90 minutes. If there's 30 sure. minutes being wasted, I I think I think what this is doing is highlighting an issue that everybody knows is there. And I just think before you can go and do a radical change and change from a 90 minute game to a 60 minute game, there has to be you have to go through the processes of of what can we do to change this. So I think if this is the first step in doing that kind of stop clock thing, then I'm all for it. It, it has made a couple of the games more exciting. As a as a football fan, it is a quite exciting moment when the fourth official holds up the board. It's like, ooh, what's it going to be? Double and, digits. Um, <laughs> double digits is great. There is so much time wasting. There's now five substitutes. Fatigue should be less mm. of an issue. I I think this is I think this is good. It's a wake up call that you can't keep getting away with it. I think we will see as the tournament goes on teams will stop making that kind of fifth substitute just to wind down the clock because they know what's going to happen and you're right the longer the game goes on the more fatigue there is the more chance of a of a team making a mistake and if you're having to do a lot of defending in the 98th minute it's more than likely going to be you that makes the mistake so I do think teams will think more about it but then even today they're doing substitutes at 97 minutes even though they know the time is going to keep coming add keep added on so um I think this is a positive move that they're addressing time wasting, which for me has been really upsetting me over the last few years. Yeah, and I think from the perspective of the, the paying public, the fans, and what they're getting for their money, I think it's right to have some focus on the amount of time the ball is in play and you know, seeing deliberate time wasting in the stadium is utterly infuriating. It's bad enough at home, but when you're in the stadium, it's utterly infuriating. Yeah. Um, but I do take Nathan's point that there's a compromise there that the product is lessened by it because more players... Yeah, because, you know, players' health is so carefully um, planned to the extent where they talk about the red zone and, you know, the players can mm-hmm. literally play 
just that 90 minutes at that intensity, suddenly adding in another 10 minutes of that intensity or 15 because you've got five in the first half, 10 in the second half or whatever, uh, might tip some players over the edge. So perhaps but we're the solution... not talking about that. We're talking about players who are pretending to be injured. We're not talking <laughs> yeah. about players actually getting injured. We're talking about players pretending they've they've got cramp when they haven't, or they've they've done something. They've rolled around and they're looking for something where they're in pain. I I agree with you. Players' health is important, but all this time wasted is coming from players faking that they're <laughs> that they're actually sick. But we'll end up with a bunch of muscle strains from the additional time. I I imagine, and one one solution to that could be an additional substitution window in stoppage time. Maybe maybe that's uh, one way of, of compromising and, and coming to some sort of middle ground. Sure, but then I think that you are um, like both additional subs and the elimination of, of time-wasting as a sort of defensive mechanism are both things that, again, favour the richer teams, the more dominant mm. squads, right? So I think you can compound things if you go in that direction. Um, yeah, definitely curious to see whether... The time wasting decreases over the over the tournament if we start to get sort of a larger sample and teams start to learn what that looks like. But the moment I'm worried about like missing the last train home from an evening game, you know, mm, that's true. I mean, the, yeah. the impact on the the fan in the stadium it does change things. And um, even the halftime beers, you go down and there's still ten minutes of football you you, you could miss. Uh, yeah, but yeah, it's true. Your train home as well is is an issue. I, I but I do think this is just the first step that FIFA are making to change the the laws of the game into something where time wasting isn't a factor. Mm. Yeah, I mean, if if this has the effect of scaring teams into stopping the time wasting, then it would have effectively have done its job. I mean... Yeah, I mean, I think I'm old enough to remember when... um, So before they changed the back pass rule, a goalkeeper used to be able to pick up the ball, Mm -hmm. drop it, Run with it to the edge of the area and then pick it up again. Yes, they used yeah. to be able. They used to be able to do that. But before the pass back rule came in, that they stopped that. So a goalkeeper could get the ball and then if they put it on the floor, they had to kick it. They couldn't pick it back mm-hmm. up again. And that was almost the kind of the, the little island hop before they went full full all the way to not pick not being able to pick up the ball. But they could the just running. they could place it down, pass it to their centre back, and receive it back and pick it up again. Which I used to do as a as a goalkeeper in. <laughs> In, 19, in 1990 because I was we were playing on big pitches and I couldn't kick that far I would take a short short uh, goal kick I would knock it left to my fullback and then they would knock it to me further up and I would scuttle to the top of my area <laughs> then pick it up again and that would gain me 12-13 yards to be able to kick it further and then as the rules changed then I started to get into shit because then I couldn't pick it up <laughs> anymore but yeah so I think this is just the first step in the, in the change of the rule in the change of the rules Definitely one to keep an eye on and something I suspect we will come back to before too long. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. 
Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Uh, we are once again partnered with, with Athletic Greens. So over to Bardi. So I've been on my AG1 journey for quite some time and I want to chat gut health, especially now as guts are in the news. Hey, Wendy, did you hear about the Brazil team? That they have a striker who plays better as a nine rather than out wide. Yes, but that's not quite it. Brazil will come down with some nasty gut problems, I heard. But you know what looks after my gut, Wendy? <laughs> Your AG1? Yes. Every morning I slip into my body ingredients with naturally occurring enzymes that bolster the digestive process and enhance nutrient absorption. AG1 formula also contains immune supporting mushrooms, but as it's as ta- and it's as tasty as a Richarlison overhead kick. My guts are roaring to go every morning, roaring like the indomitable lions of Cameroon and not roaring with gas. Back to you, my lion of a host. (laughs) So Athletic Greens was created when the founder experienced a ton of gut health issues and ended up on a complicated supplement routine to recover, which cost him $100 a day. And the product supports better sleep quality and recovery. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash extra inch. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash extra inch to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Let's talk a little about some of the uh, recent transfer links because there have been a few popping up ahead of the January transfer window. Uh, So taking these in some sort of order, uh, Andreas Skov Olsen. What do we think of him, Nathan? So he was linked today or yesterday, I think, by a Belgian site or paper or something. Uh, so he's currently playing in the World Cup. He plays as um, sort of a wide forward for Denmark. He is Danish. Um, and he is currently at Club Brugge, which is why kind of uh, the, the Belgian site are reporting on it. So he used to be in Serie A at... Um, Ooh, was it Bologna? He used to be in Serie A, um, where he was sort it was of was Bologna, okay, yes. where he was a not very good winger forward. And there's there's two angry Danish people already just on that sentence alone, um, <laughs> and I think he's sort of okay for Denmark as well in that role. Um, he also plays that role, the the winger forward role, um, in European competition for Brugge. But domestically, he plays as a wingback and it is the wingback role, which is why I think he should be of any interest to us. I recently added him to my my right wingback list. I think that there is something there, um, you know, a, 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 a career winger transformed into a wingback because they, um, you know, do a decent defensive job or up and down players and... Um, a a 50th percentile attacking winger is a 90th percentile attacking wingback kind of uh, thought process. Um, but if we're looking at him as someone who's going to be back up to Kulisevsky, I think that's really bad. <laughs> so as a uh, left-footed, right-sided player, how do you feel about him playing right-sided wingback? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that he plays right wingback, I think, almost entirely mm. domestically for Brugge, and I think that's fine. He's He's good at that. Um, I also think that with the way that Kulisewski plays, um, someone who moves inside is fine. So similar for a couple of other players I've got on my list, um, Dest, who likes playing on the left as well. Mm-hmm. Things like that, that, that. Those are all good fits. 
Yeah, he's 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 um he's comfortable hugging the touchline or moving inside or whatever. I'm not I'm not too worried. You know, he's able to to um get the ball into the box in in other means than than outside foot crossing. I'd have to have a look and a think about mm-hmm. what his outside foot crossing looks like. You know, maybe lay, lay down the line. Um, and yeah, he can probably also maybe do a job at left wing back. Um, uh, I don't know if he's played there. I don't know if he's played there before. Probably. Okay. Um, Bardi, any any thoughts on Scovelson? Did you catch him much for Bologna? Um, no, no thoughts on him. Okay, Weston McKenney. I mean, I I didn't I like him. At, no, I didn't like him at Juventus, and I've not seen anything in this World Cup that makes me like him even more. I think he's he's all right. I don't think he's any. I don't think he's better than every anything we already have. So I w- I would avoid this. I know it would make our American listeners very happy, but he's just not very good. He gets up and down the pitch. That's about it. Definitely gets up and down the pitch. Uh, we're linked with him just every window, but I think she seems to really, really like him. Um, and he's a decent player. He's a decent player. He he offers a considerable goal threat from midfield. He's good defensively. He's great in the air all over the pitch. He has a motor, um, but none of those things really suit our need. I mean, we don't have a goal-scoring midfielder, but... We've got two, need. Nathan. We've got two. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Of course. Of course we do. Yeah. Well, on that basis, then, absolutely no need for Weston McKinney. A good player who does nothing for us, especially. Mm. Uh, Rodrigo Beckow. I am confused and distressed by this link to a <laughs> mid-table slugger who's good in the air and bad with the ball at his feet. He's um, got Everton written all over him. He's, uh, he's Yeah. He's not good. The good news is that he can play both the central and right centre-back roles, but he can play okay. them not especially well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so to talk, talk to me about his skill set or lack of. He's really good in the air. Okay. Is he Eric Dyer? He No, he's more aggressive than Eric Dyer. Imagine if Eric Dyer tried to be really aggressive and just gave up a bunch of fouls, but also was like outstanding in the air. I should probably come up with it. Eric Dyer is not a good starting point for that player. Um, oh, who was the really tall guy at Southampton? Oh, Jan Vestergaard. Vestergaard. Yeah, kind of. I think of Vestergaard oh, was just always lunging in. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't sound Eric much fun. Dyer. Did you see um, Eric Dyer's video with Harry Kane when he was talking about Jukin Mate? No. Go check this out. Eric Dyer apparently for the last, I don't know, 12 years has been an enthusiast with it. And wherever he goes, he takes with him a massive bag of hot water, <laughs> his herbs, his little pouch. And Kieran Trippier bought him like this kind of Mate super case that he, he carries around with him everywhere he goes. Um, it was kind of very sweet. Nice, nice. Mm. Uh, Denzel Dumfries. So we haven't actually been linked to Denzel Dumfries. What we've been linked to is... Um, uh, oh, hang on a second. Let me double check what I'm about to say. Yes. Yes. Okay. Inter Milan are reportedly interested in Emerson Royale. However, before they can offload Emerson Royale, they would need to sell Denzel Dumfries. Therefore, you've got a lot of quote tweets from Spurs fans saying, oh, I know how to solve this. We should buy Denzel Dumfries. Um <laughs> Denzel Dumfries is um, a capable wingback, fullback, who people are aware of and hear about because he scores goals. Um, but uh, so does Matt Doherty. And there mm-hmm. are a lot, a lot of easy comparisons with Matt Doherty. I think they are remarkably similar players. And we have Matt Doherty and we don't play Matt Doherty. <laughs> and um, 
you don't want two players whose whole thing is arriving at the back post whilst being an okay up and down wing back in your squad for the same position because then you're just you've got no variety no, nothing to change there I think he's a really bad fit for us he's a good player um, but we, we have him already and we don't play him Unai Simon I like him. I like this guy. I've been. We were talking about goalkeepers before the World Cup started, and I was curious to see what was going to happen. And I, I really like him. I think I agree that perhaps his shot stopping isn't where it should be, but I think it's better than uh, Raya, and I think it's better than um, Sanchez. So I think it's above those two guys, and I think he's probably on a level with his feet. I like him. I think he, he's Atletico Bilbao. He's got to be gettable, hmm. and. I, I think he's good, man. I, I've, I've enjoyed how he's played. He's made, he's made a couple of good saves and he's been excellent passing out the back. Um, I'm sold on him. Uh, Bilbao charge outrageous prices historically. He um, Statistically, his shot stopping peaked when he was like 21. He's been on a downward trajectory <laughs> since he first arrived on the scene. Um, he's sort of looking a, sort of about average now or a little above average um, in total. Um <laughs> Not really sure how to take that. And then obviously, yeah, his passing is uh, good, technically good, I mean, but like extremely high risk, um, as we as we have seen um, in the Spain-Germany match. Have there yeah, any thoughts twice. on that? He, he passed straight to Germany players twice. <laughs> I think... Um... Like you got to admire how he was doing that, and also shout out to Anana who got kicked out of the World Cup because he refused to boot it. I, I, <laughs> hell yes, I, I, hell yes. I, that's that's who we should have signed. But um, I agree, it's high risk. Spain just play high risk, and Germany pressed really hard. And occasionally you will make a mistake like this. It does happen. It happens to Allison. Happens to every top goalkeeper. It happens to every single player when they are pressed. So I, I'm okay with it. I can live with that. I can live with a mistake every now and then rather than him just booting it out for throwing. That's fair. Uh, Nathan, another player we were linked to, uh, you... Well, you don't want to hear my, you don't want to hear my Unai Simon, my Unai Simon song. <laughs> Please sing your <laughs> Unai Simon song. Unai Simon, you're our number one. Go and play in goal, my friend. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> we, we can't sign him. <laughs> we can't sign him. <laughs> Christ. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so bad. Um, it's been in my head all day. Nathan, another player we were linked to, you did actually produce a video on. Uh, uh, Simicane. Mohamed McCann, yes. Have you watched that now? You put it in the running order. Uh, I have watched half of it. Okay. All right. All right. I think we touched on it. I, I, I think, I think you, I think it was in the running order by mistake. However, more recently than that, I did uh, the Leeds analysis video, and we forgot to talk about it. We, we referenced it multiple times in the previous podcast that we were going to talk about it later, and oh, yes, it is now a week later. So let's talk about it now. Really fun. I, I very much enjoyed this um, piece of analysis you did which you did live on the Discord. So uh, people could watch Nathan break down the game against Leeds. Um, you'd kind of pre-prepared some sections that you wanted to focus on and let the game run between those, I, I guess. And uh, you took questions as it went along. And it was really good fun. Yeah, so this was this was an idea um, that we discussed before a little while back on the podcast that... Um, Jonathan wanted us to do and yeah it went really well I felt really good about it and I didn't bother editing it because it would have been <laughs> an absolute nightmare to edit so I've just left it as like a sort of like a, um, a twitch vod-esque yes. experience is, is, is what I'm channeling there uh, we have used twitch before um, for, for scouting things as well 
Um, yeah, this, 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 um, I felt really good. I felt this went really well and I'm interested to do a handful of more here and there. The thing is, it's just like, there's not been that many brilliant games. Um, I think maybe we could do this for Champions League mm. opponents mm. to, to get an idea of them. Um, I'm really happy. I'm really happy. With that. I, I, if you haven't watched it, if you if you're already a subscriber and you haven't watched it, I strongly recommend you give it a watch. Maybe maybe skip through it. Maybe put it on two times or or, or whatever. Um, but I I think this is a really good idea, and I want to I want to do it some more again. I found it really useful because you you go to a game and you kind of get swept up in the emotion of it and everything else, and then you watch it kind of back on match of the day or highlights video or a three minute highlight video on YouTube and you don't really get the ebb and flow of the game so it was good to go back and watch it and see if my assumptions around Emerson and everything else whether or not it was what actually happened. Mm, I think it was one of Nathan's strongest pieces of analysis yet. I I really really enjoyed the uh, style the delivery. Uh, I enjoyed the fact that it was interactive and people could chip in and Nathan was you know using people's comments to launch into some of the next points he made which was really good. Good fun. So let's end with a couple of questions. This is, so we'll ask some Spurs related questions because we haven't done much Spurs chat really. Uh, I quite like this from a while back. Neil Mepham said, are we a good team or an okay team with a few very good players? We are a good team. We are a good team. I think so. I think, I, you know, we, we've we've gone into the reasons we're underperforming, but I think it will become apparent in, in the second half of the season that we are a, a good team. I think that we are more than I mean if you start working your way through the squads your your list of very good players um gets too long pretty fast I think I think that's a good shout yeah like we've got good players in pretty much every every area of the pitch so you have to say we're a good team if that's the case we've got some weak we've got some weak points I think there are some obvious improvements and fairly straightforward upgrades that would make us a better team but I do think we're good I think we're we're at least top five in the Premier League good. I'd like to think we're top four in the Premier League. Um, if, if Kulisevsky makes a difference, I think he'll make to uh, to our starting eleven. I agree. We are a good team. I think at the moment, occasionally we're a little bit stuck in Conte's strange decision-making, but we're a good football team. Mm. So this is from Oat, who says, what's the biggest concern for the second half of the season? And what's the biggest thing to look forward to? Hmm. I think um, I think the biggest concern is what's going to happen post World Cup. That's um, I, I don't know how the players are going to come back, so that's that's a worry thing. But I think the biggest thing to look forward to is a few players who've had their minds solely on the World Cup: Richarlison, Son, these guys, Romero. These guys have been really distracted by the World Cup, so I'm looking forward to them coming back and focused. Um, my concern right now is not improving. Um, the three areas that we desperately need to improve. Um, not, include, not improving our depth at centre-back, not improving our depth uh, behind Kulosevsky, um, not improving at right wing-back in some way. Um, keeper can probably wait, right? Um, my concern is like how failing to do um, one or more of those will... Because I, I just answered the previous question saying like I think we'll be good in the second half of the season. Hmm. Um, I think that it is very possible for us to go into January get hit two of the three targets and be a much better or not much better um, but much more stable team 
um, who are less easily disrupted by an injury here or there or too many games in a, in a week here or there. Um, so my concern is like not realizing our potential because I think our potential is really, really high. I think we saw a lot of our potential last season and that's why we felt so frustrated this season. I think we can go back to that and maybe even better. Um, I'm just worried about us stumbling over January and, and not making it happen. Also, I would like to add, what's the biggest thing to look forward to? Champions League coming back against Milan. That's an incredible, incredible time. Yeah, I think um, I think I generally feel pretty optimistic. Uh, I think Kulusevski being back is massive. I think he rejuvenates us. He's exciting to watch. He means that our style can work despite the issues with um, right wing back. Um, but the biggest concern for me is Conte's apparent obsession with Emerson Real. Uh, I don't blame Emerson Royale for this. I blame Conte for this. It's, he's got other options and he's choosing not to use them. And, you know, it's leading to a pretty toxic environment for Emerson Royale, uh, where he's literally being booed by sections of the home fans. And and we're seeing the same weaknesses week after week. And it's a, it's a real problem. Um, so, you know, switch that, either play one of the alternatives or sign a new right wing back. And suddenly I think we feel even more optimistic. But he hasn't shown a desire to do that yet, which I think is a, a genuine concern. But I do overall think the second half of the season, all being well with injuries post-World Cup, will be a lot stronger. And like Barley says, we've got a fantastic Champions League tie to look forward to. Hopefully an FA Cup run as well. That would be nice. Uh, and yeah, finish the season strongly. You know, we, our players have been conserving a lot of energy by only turning up for one half of football a week. So, so let's finish the season on a high note. You have been listening to The Extra Inch with me, Windy, my sidekick and best friend, Barney, and our tactics guy, Nate Clark. If you like this, there's plenty more at patreon.com forward slash The Extra Inch. Production is by Nathan A. Clark. Our logo, artwork and website are designed by Creighton Miller. Our music is by David Lindmer. You can find him on Instagram at David Lindmer. Do check him out. He's great. Great, great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us at podcast at theextrainch.co.uk. Subscribe, leave us a rating and a review. And most importantly, be sure to tell all of your Spurs friends. Shout out to the X-Sub. We love every single last one of you. And of course, come on you Spurs. Oh,